Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Grace and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Today we're going to look at Psalm 23, the Lord Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd's psalm. Uh, if you want, look it up on your phone or Bible if you have one. You can bring your own Bible to church. Psalm 23. Uh, at first, you know, when I got this, looking at this text here, and, and if you haven't noticed, if you've been coming to churches very long, uh, the Good Shepherd Sunday is in the Easter season, and every year, um, I think it may be three or four Sundays after Easter, is all the texts about Jesus being the Good Shepherd. Um, when I first saw this, though, I thought it fit perfectly. This Sunday kind of falls on Mother's Day. And if you can think of a better shepherd than a mother, it's hard, right? When you read this text, when you read Psalm 23, you think of that perfect mom. You know, yesterday I got to go and uh, see my mother-in-law for 50th anniversary, her and dad, which is praise the Lord for, and got to give her flowers, just like the little kids. I guess I'm not any different than I was when I was three. Here's some flowers, mom. <laughs> and somebody has to remind me it's Mother's Day. <laughs> but uh, and I also got to see my mother as well. And I thank God for my moms, both of them. They fit this psalm so well, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? When you were little, like all these kids up here, in their brains, mom's got it all under control. It's all good, right? I don't need anything. She's going to take care of it. And if I don't have it, I'll just scream and cry and she'll give it to me. Maybe not, but... Right? I mean, that safety, that security of being that age in the arms of your mom. And I praise God because I had a mom that was like that. But you know, as we celebrate Mother's Day, um, I got an email yesterday or a couple days ago from a member who reminded me rightfully, it's not a good day for everybody. Some of us are mourning a mom that's gone. Some of us are mourning a mom we wish we would have had, but did not have. Some of us are mourning how we might not be as good of moms as we wish we could be. And I know there are some that wish they could be a mom. But God has not blessed them with that. So as we praise God for our moms, we must remember not everyone has a great 
mom experience. And somewhere or the other, I bet everybody out here has some bad mother experiences. And so when we come to St. James on Mother's Day, we praise God for our moms and thank God if you've had a mom that loved you and was a great mom. But Psalm 23 is not about moms. And thank God for that, for all you moms. Psalm 23 is about Jesus. Because when everything else fails us and we fail others, we have always got a shepherd. We've always got a father in heaven that takes care of us. Praise the Lord that on this day, no matter what's happened in your life, no matter how broken you are, and just this, this, this woman who gave me this email said at the end, praise God that he has healed me and the wounds that I had in my family. Praise God that I know that I have a shepherd greater than human beings. It does not fail, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Some of us can say that about our moms and dads, but all of us can say that about Jesus. So let's look at this, Psalm 23. Who wrote this psalm? David. David says this, David wrote it. He's a king. He was a shepherd too, so he knows what he's talking about when he says shepherd. But you see, back then, everyone who was a king in that area, the Mesopotamia or Middle East area, kings were called shepherds. It was actually a title. You just call them shepherds. It was almost synonymous. So here's David, who's king or going to be king, and he says, who is his shepherd? The Lord is his shepherd, right? Isn't that awesome? So David, who has everybody saying how awesome he is, how great he is, says, God is my shepherd in the end. And thank God of that, because David was a great king, but my goodness, he screwed up, right? And so how he got to say, that's how awesome he got to say, that the Lord is my shepherd, praise the Lord. We're not ran by any human beings, but we are ran, run, ruled by God. And then he goes on and says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And it's interesting that David can say that because if you read the life of David, go to 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, everything was not always perfect. I mean, this guy had to run and hide from Saul that wanted to kill him. This fellow messed up his life pretty huge. Like in one instance, he, he managed to sin against every commandment with Bathsheba, right? His son rebelled against him, stole his crown, and chased him out of Jerusalem. And yet David says, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters, still waters. Doesn't mean everything goes well in life. But two things, we will be in those green pastures. We will end up near those still waters when the good shepherd comes again in glory, right? But not only that, today we do. What do you think church is? And for David, whenever he was in the word He was in those still waters. God brings him the word, brought him the prophet Nathan to preach and teach to him so he could remind David of mercy and forgiveness, but also of hope. 
And the good shepherd who is Christ does the same thing for us today. That's why you are here. It's the shepherd who brings you to these still waters today. The waters of baptism last Sunday. The waters of his word, right? And refreshes us. Because today, no matter what's going on in your life, you get to be reminded that God loves you. Your sins are paid for. It's going to be okay. And I hope everyone that comes here feels like they are resting in green pastures. Reminded that the Lord is their shepherd and is nourished with the hope and peace. I hope you get that out of every time you come to St. James. David goes on, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Actually, let's go back to that real quick here. I just noticed that now. I sh- the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green. I like that. He doesn't always lead you kindly. Sometimes he makes you sit down. Martha and Mary, remember the story of Martha and Mary? Martha and Mary have Jesus over for dinner, and Martha is running all over the place trying to help and work for Jesus. And she thinks she's doing the right thing. I'm working, I'm serving in the church, right? I'm doing all these things, all my good works. I'm serving God, I'm serving Jesus. And Mary's just sitting there. And Jesus says to Martha, sit down. Don't do anything. Rest. Let me serve you. Sometimes he has to do that to us. Sit down. Listen. I made you. I saved you. And I'm going to take care of you. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We need that guidance. Don't make up your own righteousness. It doesn't go well. This is one of the most famous parts right here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your, gro- your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As I always remind people, Jesus does not promise to take you around your problems. Or around your challenges. Or to buffer you from all issues in life. First of all, we do our own damaging, right? There's no promise that God is going to make your life grand and everything you touch is going to turn to gold. But he does promise what? What does he promise here? I'm going to take you right through. Even death, as he refers to here. You're going right through with me, just like Jesus didn't go around the grave, but he went right through it. So will we. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, not around, but through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Let me tell you what, we can say that because Jesus has risen. He's risen. He has gone through it. So when he says, I will take you through too, you don't need to fear anything. We can believe it because he's come out on the other side and people touched and saw and hung out with him. He's going to bring us right through. I fear no evil for you are with me. And this reminds me of mom. If you had a mom like this, when you were young and you could count on your mom, it doesn't matter how lost you were. I always tell a story about being out in the woods 
with a parent, let's say a mom this time, right? And you're, you're lost. You don't know where you're going, right? You're young. You can't see anything. It's getting dark outside. You don't know where home is. Even as a little kid, anytime, right? You go for a trip or whatever. You don't think, how are we going to get back? You never think that, do you? And whenever you're scared, the best reply is from mom or dad, I'm here. And it comforts you like this, doesn't it? Mom and dad, they don't tell you how to get back home or we're not lost. Let me give you directions or look at this map. They just grab your hand. And when you're a little kid, that's enough. Mom's got me. I don't need to know the answers. I don't need to know the journey or the destination. My mom's got me. She knows what she's doing, right? How much more so is what Jesus is saying here, right? Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And it's not because God's going to explain everything to you or tell you what the plan is or lay it out or give you a map and tell you do this and this and this and you'll be okay. No, that's not the solution. Instead, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And that's all I need. Isn't that cool? Just like when you were a little kid. We always want to be a little kid, don't we? Go back where it was safe and secure and not have to worry about anything. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's where we're at right now. Hold on to that hand. Look and see who's got you. It's going to be okay. This is very important for us as we talk about grateful living too. When we talk about being generous people, letting go of clinging to our stuff. Why do we cling to our stuff? Because we're afraid of the future. So we don't want to share any time. We don't want to share our abilities with anybody else. We don't want to give too much because we might need that in the future. You're going to be fine because God has you. So let go. Take a risk as a church. Go forward. Make some plans. As individuals, give. Give to the ministries here. Give to your neighbor. Give to the poor guy in the street. You don't need it. He's going to take care of you. Right? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why does a shepherd have a rod and staff? What's the rod for? It's a large stick. Right? Or club. What's the shepherd use for that? He's got to beat the sheep sometimes. No, that's not true. Actually, I think, uh, I think sometimes the rod's not just for the wolf. Sometimes I think he's got to whack you on the fingers sometimes. Praise God that he does that in our lives. But the rod is for the devil. The rod is for the enemy. Who has it? Not you. Don't worry about it. Mom's got it. More importantly, Jesus has it. And he has conquered Satan. He threw him down on the cross. He's risen again. He's conquered death. And whenever those fears come to us, whenever those whispers of the devil says, you're not really forgiven, you think God will forgive you? Jesus whacks the devil, he does, through his word. Get out of here. And then the staff is that thing we use on, uh, we're going to use that at the operetta this Thursday maybe and grab some kids that aren't performing well. Is that right, Kim? Something like that maybe? But the staff just sort of grabbed the sheep, I think, was the idea. I'm not a professional shepherd. I'm sorry. But sometimes you've got to get that sheep out of trouble. 
It's going the wrong way. It's wandering. It's a great story of a fellow uh, visiting uh, some shepherds in Scotland. And in Scotland, you have all these cliffs. And the best grass was like down where it was kind of untouched at the bottom of a cliff. You know, I mean, not too far down where you could kind of jump from here to here. And the sheep would do this. But when they got there, they're stuck. They can't go back up. And they can't go any further because it's, it's too much of a jump. They're going to die. And so this fellow's asking this guy, like, How, what do you do? Shouldn't you go rescue him right now? And the guy says, well, no, I don't. I don't just go rescue him. He said, if I were to go right now and rescue this sheep, he would freak out when I'm going down there, right? Or, or extending my, whatever he had there to grab him, I guess like a staff, you know. And he'd hit it or whatever, and he'd fall off. He'd jump off because he gets scared. And so what I do is I let them eat what they can, and then they start getting tired, and then they start getting hungry, and they start getting weak. And then, when they're weak, can't move, then I get them. That's sometimes the Christian life. Sometimes our Lord, the Good Shepherd, lets us get to the bottom of the pit. Where we can, we have nothing in ourselves left. We can't fight, we can't scream, we can't, we can't pretend that things are okay in our life. You know what I'm saying? Where we get down there where we can say, I'm totally weak. I got nothing. I completely am in need of you. And sometimes that's what it's like when it comes to shepherding with Jesus. And maybe you know what that feels like. That you didn't see God. You didn't see his love. And you didn't see his mercy until you were at the bottom of the barrel. Until you were at the weakest point. And that's when Christ saves. And that's where his forgiveness makes sense. And this is one of my favorite. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Again, just like going through the valley of the shadow of death where he doesn't take you around, but he takes you right through because he's holding your hand. It's going to be okay. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think there's nothing more powerful in the Bible than this sentence. And nothing that epitomizes what Christianity is and what the church is in the world. Christians are not taken out of the world. We're not called to run away or set up our little communes where we set up our little kingdoms and we can all be perfect Christians somewhere far from those evil people out there. But Christians are called to be in the world. Because the world needs Christians. Because you have an answer to problems. You have a solution to death itself. You got Jesus. So David says, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the midst of sin, in the midst of the evil of the world, in the midst of all the challenges of life, Jesus comes right here, plop right in where we're at. With all your doubts and all your concerns. And feeds you with his word. When we take communion, I think it's perfect. When you take communion, every time you take communion here, it's a table prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. A table of forgiveness, a table of promise of eternal life. It's a holy meal right in the midst of your sins and the craziness and the darkness of the world. God provides. He's the good shepherd. My cup runs over you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. That's how God does it. He doesn't do it partly, partial, half, you know what. It's all or none. 
He's completely drowned you in his grace. He completely fills your cup. When he says you are forgiven, you are forgiven completely. (laughs) And surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. This to me is the a sentence that reminds me of mothers more than others. Doesn't that seem like what moms do half the day? Following their kids, cleaning up their messes the whole day, it seems like, right? Even as they become teenagers, even as they go to college, moms always, and it doesn't matter how busy the mom is or whatever, there's just something they've, they're always, at least maybe it's just Julie, I don't know, but cleaning up my messes. Sorry. Isn't that perfect? And isn't that the good shepherd? As we go and we make mistakes and we fall down, who's right behind us cleaning it up? It's Jesus. In fact, the actual, the Hebrew here, it's not simply following along like a puppy dog. You know what I mean? Like you're leading, following along as in it's actually chasing down. It's actually going after. So as we fall away and we go astray, the good shepherd comes after us, just like a shepherd and sheep. And as we screw things up, the good shepherd's right behind us, right? Never too far, calling us back, following us around, his goodness and mercy. And David, who sinned greatly, has the confidence in the mercy of God to say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's going to be okay. Because somebody's got me, and my mom is awesome, I love my mom, but I, there's somebody else that has my, has my hand. And that's the good shepherd Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.